Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, a heartfelt thank you to our followers, uh, uh, both nationally and internationally. Uh, it's truly a privilege to um, do these episodes, um, share our collective knowledge and experience, and um, my sincere appreciation for people who come from so far uh, in place you're trusting me to do full neuropsychic evals and have a good time talking and learning about different cultures, uh, even just different, you know, things in our own, our own country. Uh, but it is truly, um, a blessing and a privilege to be able to do this. And, um, there's no uh, shortage of topics, and uh, I foresee this going into the long-term future. And thank you for your topics and your suggestions. Uh, like I said, some of them uh, I'm usually able to answer through a text message or through a voicemail, and I've had some great conversations with people. And it's really cool how many people have, have decided to either to pursue this uh you know field of whether it's you know something in the mental health field whether it's what i do is neuropsychology um what julie does in terms of psychopharmacology uh people have switched their majors people have gone on to uh enhance our education and we're very grateful to be uh people that um can be an inspiration and help and and, and again I've, I've i've said this multiple times that a huge part of this podcast was about destigmatizing mental health, legitimizing it, but also instilling a, instilling a sense of hope. And for those of you who have met me, who have worked with me, or continue to work with me, you know that I do not tell people ever what they want to hear. I tell people what I think that they need to hear. So um, when I say that there is hope with mental health, absolutely. Does it sometimes get darker before it gets better? Yes, and sometimes you can't appreciate the light uh, unless you've been in the darkness. So today's topic, uh, as you know, I do a lot of topics or a lot of these podcasts on personality disorders. And I think part of the reason for that is uh, my extensive training in personality disorders, personality theory, attachment theory, behavioral psychology, certainly cognitive psychology, but also my fascination, uh, you know, the work of Alfred Adler, who really talked about um, personality, you know, way before we ever had uh, DSM diagnoses. And uh, that's, I think that's a, a continual work in progress. And you can hear that's Julie in the background putting something away. So some things, uh, I guess they never do change. But personality, I would find interesting because it's it's really uh, it's it, it's 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 who we are, and the and the people that I uh, the small group of individuals I treat, um, the primarily are dealing with, with personality disorders. But personality is really it's it, it's my belief about myself, my belief about other people, my belief about the world in general, and the conclusions that I draw based on that. And sometimes uh, those perceptions. Uh, can be distorted those perceptions can be um certainly poor information growing up um you know we are influenced by our environment from an early age and i think we're even influenced by our environment in terms of you know what the clothes we wear today or the the perfumes or colognes we we we, we buy or the, or the types of food um 
that we get. So we're, we're very, I think we're all influenced by it, but especially at a young age, and that's when personality, you know, really is crystallized between five and eight. And that's, it's scary to think about, but it, there's a truth and a reality to it. But I'm going to talk about personality from, from a very different perspective today because um, there are personality can change as a result of medical conditions. Now, I may have mentioned this a while ago, but I think I did, but I'll go back to the story of Phineas Gage. He was a railroad, rail, a railroad, geez, a railroad worker, uh, I don't remember where, but in, in the United States, and he was, uh, uh, you, you can read about him in pretty much the beginning of any neuropsych textbook, uh, but he was uh, putting out railroad ties, and He's a, he was a church-going man, a family man, a husband, um, just a down-earth good person. Um, I mean, I never met him, but, I'm, but I've read about him. And then uh, a railroad tie uh, pierced underneath his chin, right through the nasal cavity, up and through the orbital prefrontal cortex. Um Amazingly, he he they were able to remove the the spike and he survived. And if you ever come to Massachusetts at one of the various uh, libraries at Harvard University, you can actually see his skull with the railroad spike uh, that pierces his, his skull and his brain. So afterwards, uh, there was a significant change in his personality. He became belligerent, uh, a drunk, uh, volatile behavior, language, foul cursing. Uh, so obviously something happened that altered the course of who he was. And this is when we get into a specific class of something that I deal with a lot in neuropsychology are personality disorders that are due to medical conditions. Um, so, you know, the, the medical conditions are usually there, there has to be like a history, uh, like physical examination, lab findings, blood tests that, you know, there, there's something medically going on and that, that, that the, that the cause of these symptoms is not better explained by another condition, like just like depression or anxiety or, or, or bipolarity, um, or during the course of delirium, which is a short paid, uh, short period of psychosis. Uh, you often see this in elderly patients, very common in, in elderly patients with untreated urinary tract infections. But really the, the essential feature of the personality changes that are due to something medical is really, um, it's, a, it's a persistent personality disturbance that is the direct cause of something uh, pathophysiological or, or, or just just a medical condition in and of, in of itself. And, and, the, and the personality change um, from, the, from their, what we call like pre-morbid functioning, uh, is, is, is completely different. And these really aren't slight variations. These are really drastic variations where it's like, I don't know who this person is anymore. Um, so... Well, commonly you kind of see, you know, what are the what are the manifestations um, of the personality change? There again, and I always find this interesting. Same with like hallucinations. They always tell people do bad things, visual things. Uh, people see very terrifying and horrible images. Occasionally, you'll get people who will see, you know, um, maybe religious figures. But and more often than not, there's this 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 this. Um, um, 
predilection for hallucinations, uh, auditory and visual, to be very frightening and negative. And that's also what you see a lot of times in personality disorders that are due to medical conditions um, where you have what, what, you know, first of all, you have what's called effective instability. And being effective, A-F-F-E-C-T-I-V-E, effective is you have mood and emotional instability. Now, you can see that in, in bipolar disorder. You can sometimes see that in depression. You can sometimes see that in the behavioral disorders in children. That's why, you know, clinical findings and medical diagnoses often result and warrant this type of diagnosis. Um, so effective instability is, is definitely one. Uh, poor impulse control. Uh, is another one. Again, something you can see in intermittent explosive disorder. You can see in conduct disorder. You can see in antisocial personality disorder. Again, going back to the whole premise that these are caused by physiological or pathophysiological factors that affect the 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 totality of someone's someone's being. So we have effective instability, poor impulse control, uh, outbursts of aggression and rage. Uh, and, and as you see, I've, I've, I listed the three or four so far. These are all negative things, which which I think is uh, and, and, and the aggression or rage is so like out of proportion to any you know precipitating factor. This could be like uh, like road rage, road rage on crack. Like the, the the punishment doesn't fit the crime, uh, which is you know can place the, an individual with this diagnosis or anybody who's in their direct path in. Um, in a pretty, you know, in, in, in a potentially dangerous situation, and what I find interesting is why, why, when the brain is damaged, does it relate? Does it lead us to engage in, again, effective instability, poor impulse control, aggression, or rage? Why does it not lead us to become uh, benevolent and petulant and and affectionate? And it, 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 so, you know, one possible theory is. You know, going back to you know evolutionary times, at, at our at our basic fundamental level, we are animals, and we're designed to do one of two things, and that is survive and procreate. And survival is even more important because if you're not surviving, you're not going to be procreating. So, but when the when the personality changes because of a medical condition, it, it doesn't result in very positive uh attributes of an individual and because it's personality it's pervasive it's gonna it's gonna occur and the individual is gonna act this way in all environments that you know whether it's work uh, a lot of times people aren't able to really maintain a job you know if you have customer certain your customer service and you have uh a personality change due to a medical condition uh you're not likely going to hold down a job and it could definitely affect uh marriages it, it could affect uh definitely Interpersonal relationships, intimate relationships, a vast, um, vast variety, a vast array of of uh, relationships because we, you know, we are social creatures. Um, so the, the the clinical presentation in, a, in in somebody really depends on the nature and the localization of where the damages to the brain or other parts of the body, the endocrine system. Uh, so, for example, in, like injury to the frontal lobes, much like Phineas Gage, uh, lack of judgment, uh, lack of foresight, uh, facetious, be, you know, lying, uh, total disinhibition, you know, maybe taking off your clothes and just urinating in public, just no regard for the laws of society, uh, and euphoria, this extreme disproportionate happiness. Again, that's why, you know, the, these, these can look very different 
but you're going to see from a baseline functioning that the individual prior to having this organic condition in no way do they act this way. This is this is a complete uh, transformation because it's a medical condition that is altering how the brain is functioning. Uh, so, like right hemisphere strokes, uh, they should they, they have personality changes associated with like uh, unilateral spatial neglect, where you're kind of cutting off half the half the visual field. Uh, Agnosia, uh, which is an inability to recognize. Uh, the body or a functional deficit, uh, hemiparesis, motor impersistence, and, and other neurological deficits. So you'll you'll see this, and I can do an episode on you know um, right stroke uh, um, in terms of right hem right hemisphere stroke versus left hemisphere stroke because they're very different um, different clinical presentations f for both. Um, but you know, a lot is a, is a lot of other neurological conditions that that that, that also can cause personality changes, and, and other medical conditions. Uh, you know, personality change, anything that's involving the central nervous system, um, neoplasms, head trauma, cerebrovascular disease, Huntington's, epilepsy, uh, infectious conditions that you know, like like HIV, endocrine conditions, hypothyroidism. Uh, you know, so I was always recommend people if they're having you know one of, you know a blood panel is having their thyroid levels checked. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a fundamental uh, hormone in terms of you know your your your, your thyroid gland uh, is a fundamental piece in, in in mental health and definitely needs to be checked. Um, and what you're going to find is, is different. They're different. We kind of label these with, with different with different subtypes. Uh, one could be the the labile type, and this is where the the predominant feature of this personality disorder is just affective instability. The the, the mood is just completely un, unstable and not always responsive to medication. Uh, the disinhibited type. This is where there's poor impulse control, sexual indiscretions, risky behaviors. This type very much looks like mania. And this is why getting a, a very clear history and background is crucial because this is uh, oftentimes these are, I think in many cases like with head trauma, um, you know, the thyroid dysregulation and infectious disease. A lot of times these are insidious uh changes versus gradual changes over over time uh i mentioned there's the aggressive type where there's aggressive behavior hostile behavior anger um a paranoid type uh suspiciousness paranoid ideation the you know the walls are you know bugged by the government uh you know people are listening in on my conversations uh, i i can't go to the atm without you know hiding over almost like a george costanza but th that's a separate topic in and of itself um and then like you know we have what are called like the, the combined type where you, you can have an in, in, individual and in my experience it's often more than one than just the you know the the labile aggressive disinhibited um there's also the apathetic type uh where they're just completely indifferent and these are the people who are just kind of like sitting in a chair and drooling and uh don't have a lot of cognitive functioning but personality can change and i've talked so much about how early experiences and learning um right wrong and different from you know from you know, and observing the environment uh as children adolescents you know definitely shapes our personality but there's a personality in and of itself 
can be altered as the direct consequence of uh, a medical condition, uh, head injury, head trauma, and you see this uh, through testing. So this is something that's very unique. I, I would say is more relegated to the, my field. I know Julie deals with individuals who have um, a lot of you know complex medical conditions and. Sometimes, you know, you know, for example, like, you know, the, 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 the conversion of methylfolate to folate is crucial, you know, for somebody to be able to metabolize an SSRI. Uh, so, you know, getting, getting a psychiatric blood panel is something that I recommend in all of my neuropsych evals, just so you always want to want to rule out, is there something pathophysiological that is, could be an explanatory factor, especially if you're seeing global changes in an individual that are markedly different from their baseline or what we would call pre-morbid functioning. And pre-morbid would be, how was the individual, if, if, if incident X happened, what changes have occurred as a result of that? So, you know, so pre-morbid functioning is whatever happened, you know, what, what was the functioning prior to X? And sometimes those changes can be uh, significant. Sometimes they can be, uh, minor, but a lot of times, and, and, I, and I've worked with patients, uh, a lot of times who had very uh, f high functioning lives and, and were successful, and you know, their lives were relegated to living in uh, it could be a nursing home, uh, an assisted living facility, un unable to take care of themselves, not making good decisions with their finances. Um, and basically, you know, sometimes it gets into, into the question of competency. You know, can can this individual make good decisions, uh, you know, for their life, for the lives of other people that they may be responsible for? So this is a very significant uh, classification of of psychopathology, and one that uh, a lot of times, you know, you're talking about like cognitive rehabilitation, and again, depending on where the damage is, how severe it is, because what we, what we know about how the brain works is by studying brains that have been broken. So, you know, when Phineas Gage, you know, had a major personality change because it pierced the orbital prefrontal cortex, we know that that is really kind of the seat of personality um, but, you know, if you get head injury and, you know, to the right side of your head and you, you, you could, you know, suffer, you know, the right side controls the left side, the left side controls the right side of the body. So sometimes head injury can result in a myriad of, um, you know, functional neurological conditions that can be persistent and long-term and, and, and long-standing. And um, it really depends on, you know, on, a, on an individual basis, um, you know, what the, what, what the manifestation is going to be and what the, what the outcome is going to be. It really depends on what, what the medical condition is, um, if it's internal in the central nervous system, uh, like, like thyroid dysregulation or if it's something external like a traumatic brain injury so it really depends on that but these these are this is only diagnosed when you can say with with certainty and it's confirmed by laboratory findings physical examination medical tests you can confirm that this is the direct result of something other than a pure psychiatric condition i was just going to oh. ask you um how about pandas uh, pandas is an interesting one, which is, um, it's something that has a lot of controversy around it. Uh, 
Pandix is basically a, a, it pretty much manifests in, in children and in adolescents who have contra uh, contracted uh, streptococcus. Um, so a lot of times when I'm asking, you know, doing my, my clinical history, I'm asking, you know, kids and usually the parents, um, any history of strep. And uh, you can also get strep on your skin. People don't know that, but most times kids who have chronic sore throats um, and they, they, they get strep, the resultant symptoms are usually OCD-like symptoms and an exacerbated level of anxiety. And again, there's a lot of, uh, I think there's, there's no clear consensus on the legitimacy of this. I think newer Practitioners, from my experience, are a little bit more on board. Uh, older practitioners, I think, dismiss this as just some kind of like voodoo stuff. I can tell you personally from from children and adolescents that have OCD-like symptoms, elevated anxiety, that kind of have this and have had a history of strep, whether it's once or multiple. I've seen enough cases where they have been put on a course of antibiotics, and the symptoms have gone completely into remission. So I think there is some validity to it. Um, I don't think we have enough data or research on it, but it is a phenomenon that I can say from my personal experience, I have seen enough kids that I've said, you know what, go to your PCP, talk to them about it, maybe have them run a strep titer and see if a course of antibiotics work. Um, not everybody, but you know, as I, as, as I was saying about, you know, with the personality disorders to with the medical condition, always rule out the physiological as a possible explanatory factor um you know a lot of times especially with with depression getting you know your folate levels checked and 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 your thyroid levels checked and now julie wants to jump on and add anything you know that that she would recommend you know if you think it's more more medically based um i just wanted to uh, bring attention to something in my travels and i've worked with and still work with people who have chronic pain Chronic pain is uh, mind-altering, and um, unless the pain is managed, sometimes it's not. There's breakthrough pain. Um, I, I feel like that, you know, there are people that adapt to pain, and there are people who have a high threshold for pain, and there are, you know, all different levels of pain and types of pain. Um, you know, whether it's due to an injury, uh, whether it's... Um, you know, neurological uh, in nature. Sometimes people can develop neuro neuropathy from having diabetes. Um, sometimes people develop neuropathy, um, can be very, very painful. Um, and then there's just chronic pain in general. A lot, a lot of people have fibromyalgia, um, back injuries, um, previous surgeries, uh, you know, and there's there's no end in sight um so we many times people will be prescribed um lyrica pregabalin um for the treatment of neurological pain um can also um we use cymbalta uh, i don't treat pain but someone who also has struggles with chronic pain uh, Cymbalta can be very helpful um, as an antidepressant and um, an anti-anxiety medicine that also 
helps treat chronic pain. I'm not really going to talk about treating chronic pain. I just want to add that as um, as a huge factor if someone is has chronic pain. Also, heart disease. Um, people very often will develop depression. Um, obviously, anxiety, um, but depression um, with heart heart disease. Um, like there's cancer, obviously. There's so many different diseases that people struggle with um, that overcome um, and sometimes not. Uh, so, you know, if you have a, a client who is struggling and battling cancer, um, that is also, you know, a fearful uh, diagnosis to deal with emotionally. Um, I think some people deal with it better than others. Uh, again, you know, the way people move through life and handle uh, adversity and, and uh, crisis, yeah, everybody's different. Um, but definitely that has a huge, is a huge factor. People who are on complex medications for chronic pain management, um, you know, this can get complicated too. So if people have di medical diagnoses, like very often, um, you know, I, I, I use Eeyore, and I think I'm dating myself because I really don't know how many people out there in the younger generation know Winnie the Pooh. Um, but Winnie the Pooh is kind of like a famous story about different um, psychiatric diagnoses. And uh, Eeyore was one who, who looks like both depressed, uh, cyclothymic, um, no, not, no, dysthymic, not cyclothymic, dysthymic and also hypothyroid. Uh, so you, you have like a, a, a picture of what someone would look like. So when Cora was talking about you can have hyperthyroidism where someone's hyperactive, like Tigger, um, or you have, which it looks like, also looks like mania, um, can also look like in a uh, um, uh, ADHD, um, combined presentation or the um, hyperactive um, presentation. So medical diagnosis can overlap. Um, very often, you know, uh, thyroid issues can be easily resolved um, with medication. Um, my underactive um, thyroid um, clients take levothyroxine and they level out and get their levels checked. Um, but being mindful of that too. And so, uh, you know, it's really, I'm just touching on some um, issues out there, but I think metabolic disorders also lead to depression and poor self-esteem. Um, you know, people who just can't lose weight, um, people who are trying to lose weight and can't lose weight and are morbidly obese and struggle with that, um, that can also lead to depression. Um, and so you're kind of looking at a person in context. So it's really important to rule out all the medical. Um, like I said before, I think Cora mentioned the folic acid um, conversion. You know, do you have enough folate on board? Do you need a supplement? I know vitamin Bs, you know, we, they can alter uh, emotional states and help people to be in a better mood, vitamin D. So there are lots of um, important that go into personality so for example just to put it out there take it to another level a little bit but when you're dealing with people who are in chronic pain as you've seen um, 
in the news and probably in your in your community um, and certainly cities and other communities that are more um, well I shouldn't say less rural I shouldn't say that but people who are addicted to um, pain medications um, really really struggle because they need this they need the pain relief um, you know now it's not so easy to get your hands on opiates as much as it was before and certainly with the epidemic that's been happening for the last two decades plus um, with regard to opiate use and overdose um, you're having people uh, behave in personality it shows up in personality if someone is in chronic pain or also using something on the street or using mind-altering medication to manage pain um, escape pain and obviously psychic pain um, so I've seen different presentations I could speak probably for me and my colleagues I'm sure I'm leaving something out but one very important factor and I think that this really affects everybody on um, a personal level if you've ever struggled with insomnia um, you know that's pain it's very difficult to sleep when you're in pain um, a lot of the psychiatric disorders um, do uh, have insomnia as one of their criteria or um, rather it's kind of like a you know people who are depressed have a difficult time they're either sleeping too much or they can't sleep at all you know you have anxiety you have PTSD all the different anxiety disorders that keep people awake and then you just have sleep disorders in general um, some medical sometimes it's sleep apnea sometimes it's um, you know chronic insomnia some people say I've always been like this some people are more nocturnal some people's jobs and daily routines they're on a different schedule than you know the the rest of the people around them um, where they're working nights and they're sleeping days so uh, but insomnia is a problem and it can lead to anxiety and I think it can lead to a whole host of um, disorders as well and can look like a lot of irritability agitation and people can become psychotic um, so sleep is very very important good sleep is very important so it's important to add like you know take note of that if you're struggling with any kind of um, medical um, issue um, and I wanted to bring up chronic pain because I think over time that has been probably the number one problem and very difficult to treat while treating mental health issues because I mean it, I, I I'm grateful that I don't struggle with chronic pain I mean I'm sure I've got arthritis and all that I, I'm sore if I don't move you know that can aches normal aches and pains but to have a debilitate debilitating migraine or something like where you're prone to migraines where you can't function and the pain it I, I've had toothaches I've had pain in my life before physical and it, 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 it does alter your your attitude I mean who who wouldn't be more cranky if they're in pain who wouldn't be more down the dumps if they're in pain and all it takes is a is a rainy day to set someone's pain scale off the charts where you know sometimes you know the the rainy weather can really add um, a lot of um, more severity to the pain or more onset to pain um, I'm not thinking of everything but 
I do know that there has to be pushback with your clients, um, with yourselves, and just making sure that you're healthy um, and, you know, getting regular medical follow-up. And sometimes it's, it's just so important, I think, at the end of the day is to leave no stone unturned. And, you know, sometimes it just takes that little something, you know, just maybe that little supplement that can turn your antidepressants around and make them more potent and powerful and, and more effective. Um, maybe it's just a underactive thyroid that is the missing piece that you're in, in treatment, but something's not right. Why is my energy so low? Am I anemic? You know, should I get my blood drawn? Blood work is essential. I, I really feel that way. I think when I worked, um, I worked for two major agencies and, you know, I didn't, in, in, in the population I was working with, I, I was very surprised at how many people didn't have primary care doctors. So that was a huge problem for me and I dealt with for several years and um, it was hard to find a balance and all that. Um, now in my private practice, I have, I, I think it's very rare, it's very rare for me not to have somebody in pri primary care. No, just shut the alarm off. Timer, sorry. Anyway, forever cooking, forever doing stuff in the kitchen, because this is where we have it, at our kitchen island. Um, anyway, I, I just wanted to add that, um, again, if I, if I forget anything, um, please let us know um, if there are other questions you have. Um, we did get a couple of questions this week. I think I'm still kind of processing them. Uh, one had to, was a medicine question, and I'm not really sure how I can answer that question accurately. Stimulant with schizophrenia. Oh, no, I, I didn't get that question. No, that was one. Oh, okay. It's not usually a good idea to prescribe stimulants at all with schizophrenia um, because schizophrenia is when the, with the psychosis is is excessive dopamine like I said in previous shows um, podcasts excessive amounts of dopamine um, that's what st stimulants only add to that experience and usually I in my experience in work in my work have seen stimulants alter a person's um, uh, psyche when they are when they have schizophrenia or bipolarity, bipolar one with psychotic features. So, saying a lot, but we love the questions, um, but some of them aren't super easy to answer. Uh, I did get one about uh, Haldol IM injection with benztropine, which is cogentin, which we use to treat EPS, which I talked about in a couple of our episodes I don't really know how to answer that other than does it, does Haldol, uh, well, Haldol is a, it's a typical antipsychotic. It's an older antipsychotic. So yes, it would not give someone affect as much as the second generation antipsychotics, the newer ones, Abilify, Latuda, Freilar, there's so many. But um, I think the question was about Haldol. Haldol is used very often in treating psychosis. It's a very good medication for psychosis. 
I've had people taking Haldol, um, not currently, but I have in the past. It's a very, it's an older medicine, but um, depending on the prescriber, you know, they pick what every prescriber is different. Everyone has different styles. There is, there does not seem to be a, a legitimate protocol in psych, and I think that the, that's why they call it. I think they call it finesse, but that just sounds arrogant because I do not feel that way. I feel like um, you do whatever you can to to help people, um, but again, you could have five providers in one space, and you could very possibly be looking at one the same patient five different answers that's psych so there's core with the water again Ooh, this. All, right, all right anyway thank you for listening please give us more questions um oh lastly benztropine cogentin i do not it's an anticholinergic um it helps with eps which is extra pyramidal symptoms of the side effects from their motor side effects from antipsychotics. So we very often use that. I, in my personal experience, did not experience anybody report to me that they had any, or did, nor did I see that they had an altered state from that medication. Um, so anyway, uh, hope hope that helped. Happy to talk to you guys. Happy to answer your questions. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. And we will talk next week. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. Uh, so, again, this different episode because um, more medically based, and it is something that is um, definitely uh, with the personality disorders, with the medical conditions, is something that I do confront uh, on a pretty regular basis. Uh, even sometimes in, in children, uh, depending on the medical condition. So always, always, always rule out the pathophysiological, especially if you're seeing an, an insidious or an acute change in someone's personality in the way they're thinking, the way they're acting, the way they're behaving, and if it's especially if it's persisting. Um, so until next time, feel free to reach out to me at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. Uh, you can get a hold of us through um, contact me directly, uh, 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. You can get a hold of me through Psychology Today. I look forward to meeting a lot of you guys who are coming from different places. Um, thank you to all of our wonderful colleagues. It's uh, who at some point would like to have on the show uh, because they are a great group of, of therapists and clinicians and prescribers and very privileged that we were able to work well together, even though we're in different locations in the same state. But uh, having a good treatment team um, is only going to enhance your, treat, your treatment and the efficacy of the outcome. So until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, be well, and I will talk to you guys. Thanks. Bye, guys.